What's going on, guys? Welcome to the Weekend Wire here on the Culture Jack Podcast. Uh, this is one of the many shows that we have here on the Culture Jack Podcast. So if this is your first time tuning in, make sure to hit the follow button so you don't miss a thing. We are dropping a minimum of about five episodes a week covering an assortment of different things from the news desk to the Friday show to the on this episode to the weekend wire and with Monday madness. So we've got our bases covered pretty well for you as far as content and entertainment goes. So again, please hit that sweet, sweet follow button. All right, so The Weekend Wire is here, and I am stoked to bring you some news. We're going to dive into a handful of things, and uh, yeah, let's just get to it, shall we? Let me uh, queue up my list of things to talk about. All right, let's see. Where shall we start today? Uh, Let's start with a little bit of Marvel news. Miss Marvel show has wrapped production after relocating to Thailand. The new Disney Plus show, Miss Marvel, is uh, on its way to being fully completed. So the up-and-coming Marvel Disney Plus show finished shooting after relocating its production to Thailand. It, as reported by Variety, the series full shoot two of its six episodes in Thailand teasing an international adventure for the teenage hero. Uh, let's see. Uh, Disney, as usual, is keeping the lid tightly closed over the Miss Mar- over Miss Marvel, which almost no details about the show being released. We recently got the first look at comic-accurate uniform, and it just goes on to explaining what is going on with Miss Marvel, and that is brought to you by Collider. So if you're interested in the show, make sure to check it out over there, or you can also just search it. <clears throat> Let's keep, uh, uh, well, one other note, too, on Miss Marvel. It is being directed by Bad Boys for Life, Helmers, uh, which is Adil El Arabi and Balel Falaha, Falaha uh, together with uh, Sherman Chinoy and Mary Menson, uh, Bisha Ali, which was four weddings and a funeral, acts as the showrunner in the up-and-coming Miss Marvel show, and Hawkeye is expected to arrive. Both Miss Marvel and Hawkeye are expected to uh, arrive late 2021, which we know is coming. We got Loki around the corner, June 9th. Um, So without having really a ton of details on Miss Marvel, it's exciting to hear that they're wrapping production on another show and uh, it will be coming out later this year is kind of the uh, the hope, the hope. All right. So we got this covered as a, a funny article. We're going to talk a little bit about Chris Hemsworth being reportedly eyed for He-Man in Masters of the Universe movie, which there's been a ton of <clears throat> speculation, guessing and everything in between in regards to the He-Man action movie however there is as i believe some of you know he-man is coming to netflix with masters of the universe revelation uh which 
is uh, going to be pretty cool. If you guys haven't seen some of the pictures that have been roaming the internet, you'll want to take a moment and check those out. Mattel and Netflix released the first look of Masters of the Universe Revelation. Uh, it turns out the characters, including He-Man, Skeletor, Tila, Orko, look a lot like they did on the beloved 1980s animated series He-Man and the Masters of the Universe. Just a bit glowed up. <laughs> That's funny how they did that. And it makes sense if you saw any of the uh, the new footage or information. They also announced that the show will premiere globally on July 23rd. Um, since the series was announced in 2019, fans have speculated uh, with executive producers and showrunner Kevin Smith, writer-director of Clerks, Chasing Amy and Dogma. You know who Kevin Smith is. I mean, we I, I've did a whole episode on uh, Smoochie Boochie was on Kevin Smith and Jason Mewes um, would be doing the property as the images make clear Smith and the team powerhouse animation. Also the animation studio behind Castlevania are paying homage. Oh my goodness. Uh, to the storylines that they will be telling. So if you guys haven't caught up on that. I, I, I think it's cool. Um, the images and everything look pretty cool. Uh, the animation looks cool. Characters look pretty cool. We'll have to see. I don't know, you know, how well will it translate in today's time? And I think personally that that is one of the steady kind of benchmarks that we're going to see now with uh, the adaptation of comic book and uh, cartoons and everything is how well does it adapt over and where is the audience now as opposed to where they were in the 1980s in this case. So anyways, that's I, I thought it was kind of cool, kind of a fun a fun thing to uh, to think about. Another show that just or another show, a movie that has started production is Shazam Fury of the Gods star uh, begins working on the film next week, which would be this week. Um, so that's pretty exciting. So uh, comicbook.com reports Shazam Fury of the Gods is heading into production soon and will feature a lot of returning stars from the first film. I really hope so, uh, including the younger and older versions of the Shazam, the Shazamily. The younger cast is set to include Billy, Asher Angel, Freddie, Jack Dylan Grazer, Eugene, which is Ian Chen, Pedro which is Joven Armand Adarla, which is Faith Herman and Mary Grace Fulton. In addition to Zachary Levy, who is once again going to play Shazam, the returning adult-sized hero, will include Ross Butler, Adam Brody, DJ Cortana, Megan Good, Michelle uh, Borth, and many of the actors are gearing up to start production, including the youngest of the bunch, Herman. The star has reportedly been busy filming the latest season of this is us uh but she revealed on twitter that she is getting ready to reprise the role as darla once again uh the last day of filming this is us season two is one of her tweets and she's going to start in shazam so that's really cool though because if shazam starting production that's it's almost what a couple of months a month two months maybe um, right behind Black Adam, which we know has the the Rock, and it's got uh, Pierce Brosnan, and that's that's pretty cool. So, 
Uh, let's see. It continues to say, like many productions over the last year, Shazam! Fury of the Gods has been forced to delay multiple times for both development reasons due to COVID-19 pandemic. The movie has been assigned three different release dates to include April 1st, 2022, later to November 4th, 2022. And it's recently been rescheduled for a release date of June 2nd, 2023. Uh, Shazam! Fury of the Gods is now a summer 2023 film. Uh, director David F. Sandberg tweeted about the movie's delay last year. So that's, uh, I don't know, it's kind of exciting. Um, Yeah, I like it. I like it. And I like Shazam. And I think uh, let's, you know, bring it on. Let's see what else is coming. Um, Let's see what else did I have in my line up right here. Okay. Yeah, we've got. We've got a bunch of Suicide Squad um, hype coming. I'm I'm hyped for it. We've got Venom, the uh, Let There Be Carnage trailer out. Of course, we know that uh, Tom Hardy reprises his role as Venom. We've got Woody Harrelson coming in as Carnage, which is going to be awesome. But Suicide Squad, let's talk a little bit about, let me pull this article I read the other day up so we can maybe highlight some of the characters once again i know in the past we talked about them and highlighted them but collider did a good job here on the suicide squad characters explained who in the new crew of dc movies misfits so um i'm just going to run through this again this is brought to you by collider i just wanted to highlight some of the characters in case you're not familiar with them if you haven't seen the commercial for the james gunn uh suicide squad yet you must be hiding somewhere very very far away or i don't know what to tell you anyways if you haven't seen it check it out i am super stoked for this uh as it's going to be in my opinion one of the biggest drops for the summer there's some there's some heavy contenders don't get me wrong but uh, i think this one's going to be one it also has been officially rated r so suicide squad is rated r there's a lot of speculations on reasons why uh, I know that the governing body that rates the things had it as essentially crude language, crude humor. Um, I, I believe it said something about like brief nudity. And that's that's what's going to comprise that rated R for the for the film, which should be good because these guys, in my opinion, are rated R characters. It's uh, like the X-Force in uh, the Marvel world. In my opinion, if X-Force comes together, it should be rated R. And, uh, yeah, let's dive into the characters, though, shall we? So, as you know, we've got Peacemaker, a.k.a. John Cena, in which we also know James Gunn has a short, uh, like, mini series that's going to be featured on HBO Plus about Peacemaker, the character. So, the first teaser, in the Suicide Squad, John Cena described Peacemaker as a kind, kind of douchey Captain America, and you can't really hit the nail any harder on the head created by writer joe gill and artist pat boyette from charlton comics espionage series fighting five peacemaker is chris smith's a fanatical pacifist who believes so strongly in fairness and non-violence that he absolutely will mess your entire day up to defend it the tagline on the cover of peacemaker one is perfect a man who loves peace so much, he is willing to fight for it. The character made the the hop from Charlton to D.C. in the mid-80s and got a tad bit more backstory 
by that. I mean, Peacemaker is straight up insane. His brutal methodology is brought on by extreme guilt of having a Nazi for a father, who he sees as a ghost, commenting on his every move. I'm just saying, Gunn hasn't announced the role Takita Wakiti. Takita Takia Wat Jesus um, is playing. It wouldn't be the first time he played an imaginary Nazi, though. So there's speculation that uh, Takita Wakide, uh, Watiti will play Peacemaker's dad. We don't know that yet, though. The main thing to focus on the main uh, the main thing the main thing to focus on here is the fact Peacemaker wears a comically round crown dome on his head, and the sight of that thing perched on top of John Cena's head. His indescribably wide shoulders will ironically bring peace to mankind. Um, we also got some death odds on here, which is the other reason I enjoyed reading through this uh, collider. So we'll see. It is just historically hard to kill anyone with the general thickness of John Thena. That's kind of funny that they say that. But the character of Peacemaker uh, lends itself as the antagonistic role, especially in the movie. That's bound to be filled with double crossing. He's also starring, as mentioned before, in the HBO Max spinoff. Uh, so the next guy on the list is King Shark, which was huge freaking news in the uh, Suicide Squad lineup because we know the voice is none other than James Gunn's buddy, Sylvester Stallone, which uh, it actually looked kind of funny, the few segments that you saw him. As you can see quite clearly, King Shark is a shark that is also a man. And he is wonderful. Thanks to the behind-the-scenes footage, we know Steve Agee is doing the mocap for the character. He, it's also a no-brainer to do the voice as well. But Agee's name <clears throat> did, uh, doesn't pop up on the introduction. The first time the trailer dropped, it's voiced by... Sylvester Stallone, so we know that. Uh, King Shark first fully uh, surpassed, uh, surfaced in 1994, Superboy 9. I was trying to get that comic book, and I couldn't get it. But anyways, that was written by Carl Cassell, and the art was done by Tom Grummet, the son of Gurkanda, the god of sharks and human mother. Uh, listen, man, don't think about it. Real name is Neanu. King Shark is under the sea royalty. And for a few years, comics portrayed him as a brutal killing machine who tangoed with everyone from Superman to Aquaman. Recently, though, the character has found new life as sort of a doofus. Shout out to Ron Funchi's pitch perfect voice performance in Harley. I don't. Yeah. Um, so the death odds low. This is simply based on the fact that if I have to watch King Shark die with my own two eyes, <laughs> I will handcuff myself to the Warner Brothers water tower until the decision is reversed. That's really funny. I think personally King Shark's going to be a fun um, kind of goofy character that that can bode well. This team is comprised of a lot of goofy characters, and that's that's why I think he will fit well. Sylvester Stallone's voice doing some funny shit. I, I believe that that casting was good. Uh, the story hopefully will be good and everything will come together. And it goes the same for Peacemaker with John Cena. Let's go to the next guy, Bloodsport. As we know, you may remember or recall Bloodsport from the previous 
Suicide Squad, which was Will Smith. Now it is going to be Idris Elba. Uh, first appearing in the pages of 1984's Superman 4 comic, written and penciled by John Byrne. I've got Superman 4 somewhere on my desk here. My stack of comics. Where is it? Somewhere here. I was just looking at it the other day. Anticipating... Um, and I bought the comic. Well, I bought it because of Superman 4, of course. But it's the first appearance of Bloodsport. Anticipating Idris, El- Idris Elba's uh, killing it in uh, the new up-and-coming uh, Suicide Squad. The su- uh, Superman 4, though, you got to look at the cover. It's for 1984. It's pretty cool to see. Uh, Bloodsport has Superman's cape in his hand, and he's shooting apart the Superman name on the cover of the comic. Anyways, back to it. Bloodsport is a relatively small-time character with a huge claim to fame. Straight up shooting Superman with a kryptonite bullet. Uh, Bloodsport's real name is Robert Du Bois, a man who has a nervous breakdown after his brother loses his limbs. Like all of them in the Vietnam War, Lex Luthor preys on the vulnerable Du Bois setting his sights on Superman and arming him with kryptonite-fueled weaponry. There is a second bloodshot, a fanatical white supremacist who kills the first bloodshot and adopts his name ironically. But I am relatively sure that's funny. Idris Elba will be playing, will not be playing the second version. I'm going to guess he's probably not going to play uh, Bloodsport 2, Bloodspot or Bloodshot. They mess up the name in this uh, article. Anyways, yeah, I don't think he's going to be playing. Idris Elba is not going to be playing a uh, supremacist that killed the first. I don't believe. Death odds. Here we go. Is he going to die? So the funny thing about the is he is going to die. There's so much speculation. James Gunn is going to kill off characters. Uh, James Gunn is going to do this. Is he going to kill five? Is he going to kill three? Uh, Is he going to kill half the team? We don't know. This is Collider's speculation. Death odds are low. By all accounts, Bloodsport is being uh, positioned as a new main character of the Not Quite a Reboot. Or not, yeah, not quite a reboot, but come on, Suicide Squad. So there's speculation clearly that he's going to reprise some kind of role, uh, hopefully Idris Elba, in a future a future or a spinoff of the Suicide Squad. All right, here's the next one. And again, I know we went through this before, uh, and we've talked about this quite a bit. I I just like how they, they broke this thing down. So Polka Dot Man, David. Uh, let's see. Actually, let me check. Let me check this. Yeah, so this is, I had to verify. I was like, shit, am I reading something really old? No. Uh, Dasta Malkin, he's going to be a Polka Dot Man belongs to the class of criminals who popped up in the first few months of Batman's crusade of, on crime. The one who saw a guy dressed like a bat and said, well, okay, if you want to get weird with it, no one got weirder than Abner Krill, created by writer Bill Finger and artist Sheldon Modoff. Uh, for Detective Comics, number 300, a thief whose whole thing is polka dots. His suit is covered in polka dots that somehow transform into various weapons. Buzzsaw polka dot. dot. Uh, his crimes tend to be 
vaguely dot themed his first appearance robbing a spot carpet cleaning company and suicide squad polka dot man will be played again by david d uh who might be best known as the arkham asylum inmate interrogated by harvey dent in the dark knight or the truly delightful hack hacker kurt in the ant-man movies that's right that's actually that is right that's funny death thoughts we'll see I mean, you're teasing a movie filled with 1970s-style war set uh, pieces. You don't automatically assume the guy in the polka dot spandex makes it out alive. But there's no world where or polka dot man doesn't become a fan favorite. And James Gunn knows this. So we'll see. Uh, let's see. Ratcatcher 2, and that is Danielle, uh, Daniela Melkor. Um, Ratcatcher 2, again, is played by Daniela, is one of two new characters completely dreamed up by Gunn for the Suicide Squad. So no no comic book line- lineage, no uh, previous adaptation. So this is fresh out of the, fresh out of the gate. Ratcatcher 2 was once a Ratcatcher, was once a Ratcatcher Prime. The behind-the-scenes the, the behind the tri- teaser seemed to show him flashback sequence and that the characters that's being given Batman's grief since the 1980s. Otis Flanagan showed his gas-masked face for the first time in Detective Comics 585. Uh, let's see, Otis was an actual Gotham City rat catcher who discovered he had a strange affinity for training the little rodents to do his bidding. In Gotham, discovering you have a very spe- specifically talented means only one thing. It's time to do crime. If Ratcatcher 2 studied under the original, expect an extremely furry army to feature. So just kind of speculation that that's, uh, she trains rats and she's like the rat lord. Hopefully she doesn't get in a fight with Splinter. <laughs> From the Ninja Turtles, that's funny. Uh, so death odds are low. The combination of casting a fresh face actress and giving her an original role suggests that that uh, Ratcatcher 2 is to play a key part in the plot. Savant, a.k.a. Michael Rooker, which is also dope as shit. So we got Michael Rooker, who uh, you know from the Guardians of the Galaxy. So it's pretty cool that uh, while he may not be doing, and I don't think he is, uh, anything in the MCU, any world, anymore he's now over with dc with suicide scott and jam back with james gunn so savant real name is brian derlin is currently a villain in our modern times a spoon fed hire to a vast fortune who moves to gotham city because vigilante seems to like a cool sexy career move created in 2003 by writer gail simone and artist ed bennis derlin is a genius but a chemical imbalance in his brain causes him to remember events non-linearly. Oh, that's fucked up. That's weird. My dad, or my dude, is a walking Christopher Nolan screenplay, and Michael Rooker is going to have a field day with it. Savannah is most often associated with Birds of Prey, first as a dangerous thorn in their side. He kidnapped and tortured Black Canary, in hopes of getting Batman's true identity out of Barbara Gordon, and then as an unstable ally 
Um, so fun times ahead. That's that's pretty cool. Uh, Death odds high. Savant is is pretty perfectly set in the middle of the pack between very entertaining and very expendable. Plus, I genuinely believe Gunn would find it funny to kill longtime buddy Michael Rooker on screen as violently as possible. That is actually pretty. That's uh, a. <laughs> That's actually kind of funny. And what's also funny about it is he uh, possesses the power to do it because he's James Gunn. I mean, and it's his story. So that would be would be quite funny. So that was us just highlighting a couple of the Suicide Squad characters from the up and coming Suicide Squad James Gunn movie that'll be out in August, which is going to be pretty darn cool. Um, and it's coming soon. So I'm ex- I'm excited for that. Let me keep kind of cruising here. I think that's all I got for movie news. I do have one tidbit, or actually got two tidbits of uh, tech tech slash gaming news. Yeah, let's just go into it. So The Verge reports after Xbox testimony, Apple tells Microsoft to put up or shut up. A new, mo- a new motion seeks to pull back testimony from Xbox ex- executive Lori Wright at the first at the first week of Epic V versus which is Epic versus Apple trial comes to a close. Apple is picking a fight over one of Epic's witnesses. The fight centers on testimony from Lori Wright, Microsoft's vice president of Xbox business development, who testified that the distinction between general purpose and special purpose devices on Wednesday in favor of Epic's claim, uh, Wright's testimony set off a day of confusion over whether Microsoft actually makes money selling Xbox hardware. Apple is asking the judge for an adverse credibility finding, basically a determination that Wright's testimony can't be trusted because of the the irregularities in the documents in a new filing apple argued that some of the documents referred to in Wright's testimony weren't produced in advance and the entire testimony should fall under a cloud apple's lawyer zeroed in on Wright's claim that xbox hardware was sold at cost in order to subsidize game sales microsoft really does not want to give apple sensitive financial data about xbox Miss Wright testified about the supposed unprofitability of Microsoft's console business without providing the P&L statement, which is profit and loss, from her files that could have been substantiated or disproven. Her testimony, Apple uh, filing argues. Apple has actually made the case before, arguing back in April that Wright's testimony should be stricken from the record because of the irregular document production in the weeks leading up to the trial. Now they're arguing that Wright stepped outside of the preset parameters of her testimony and her entire testimony should be deemed non-credible. And at the center of all of it, Microsoft's profit and loss analysis for the Xbox hardware, which no one on the Apple side has seen, is worth remembering here that Apple and Microsoft have been locked in a heated competition for decades now. And while Apple doesn't have a product competing specifically against the Xbox, the broader companies are tied up in a delicate balance of fierce competition and business cooperation. 
As a result, Microsoft really doesn't want to give Apple sensitive financial data about the Xbox. And Apple sees the P&L statement as a way to punch back at Microsoft for getting involved in the App Store fight in the first place. From the beginning of Epic versus Apple trials, documents have been a issue and it's likely to continue being a problem as the proceedings go on. Both sides agreed in advance to upload exhibits to their public box folder. It's here. If you want to follow along, but, but the actual use of that folder has been extremely chaotic. On the first day of the proceedings, more than 100 different filings were uploaded to the general exhibits folder, only to have a handful clawed back as sealed, including some of the Sony docs we published here. Nearly every day, documents have been added to the box and then pulled back to the point where we've had to mirror the whole thing just to make sure we didn't miss anything. Some of this is normal as a big part of the legal fight is over with the documents. It can be used in trial and documents can be blacked out to conceal trade secrets and other information. The company's lawyers have been going back and forth on those tiny details for months. It's just what lawyers do. But it's fair to say that this case has been unusually chaotic, either because of the remote nature of the trial or the sheer volume of different companies involved. A lot of information has come out uh, of the discovery in this case. Not all of it was supposed to. Now, Microsoft is caught between giving information that could help in court and giving up business secrets to a long-term rival because Microsoft wants Epic to win the case. And it's willing to talk about Xbox profitability if it helps make it happen. But giving up the information in an open court might be a bridge too far. <clears throat> so, again, this goes back to the Apple epic strike. And it's still going on. I just thought it was, it's just crazy. It's, it's all based over the app world and everything else. I mean, the filing is available on the site, the actual because it's Epic Games plaintiff counter defendant against Apple Incorporated, which is the defendant. Um, Apple Inc.'s notice in motion, motion for adverse credibility pending memorandum, therefore. So it's all available if you really want to dive into what's going on. But this is a pretty wild case. It's just crazy to think that now <clears throat> Epic has a tremendous amount of support, but Apple's Apple's kind of pulling pulling out the middle finger on those guys and being like, okay, okay, so set, show us all your information. Show us, show us this, which is the slippery slope of getting involved in legal matters because, well, it's the way it goes. And it does seem like there's quite a few people in this. Uh, we, we've spoke about this. I think uh, this came up a while back, the testimony and, uh, the start of Epic versus Apple, and here we are. So next thing uh, I've got is from Games Radar Plus, and I thought this was interesting. It is Fable 4 uses the same game engine as Forza Motorsport, which makes sense, but sounds really weird, and that is the reason we're going to go through this article real briefly. I was skimming through, like, shoot, Monday, because I, I start, so I start collecting and reading through articles. Some of it makes it, some of it doesn't when I 
when I start building the weekend wire here. And I saw a different claim to this same article. And then by for, for whatever reason, Games Radar's article popped up here saying, you know, Fable 4 uses the same game engine as 4s. And I'm like, this, this it just sounds funky. I get it. It does make sense because of the mechanics in the game. But I still think it's weird. So let's dive into it. A new job lesson for Forza developer Turn 10 Studio spotted by IGN confirms that Forza Tech, the studio's core game engine, is powering three AAA titles in development across two beloved Xbox franchises. More pertinently, it specifies, in addition to adding new features like ray tracing to support the next generation consoles, we're also enriching the tool set to support an open world action RPG, Fable. In other words, the two of those three AAA titles are Fable, Forza Motorsports 8, and the, th- and the third is presumably the next gen in Forza Horizon series. From an outsider's perspective, it's odd to think that the new Fable will be, uh, well, uh, the new Fable, which we can safely assume will be a, fan- a fantasy RPG of some sort, is being built using some software from a racing game. Which, again, is the reason this thing caught my eye. And if you don't know, I'm a huge, huge Forza fan. I have been since Forza started. Um, and I'm looking forward to the new Forza game that's coming out. And it's just crazy to me. And I'm, shoot, I'm looking forward to Fable as well. Fable is an incredible IP. Um, anyways, so let's uh, let's keep going. I don't know how much we go into this. So if nothing else, this welcomes the reminder that Fable 4 is, in fact, a thing. We haven't heard... Of a thing, okay. Forza Eight, fortunately, has been much more active. Okay, so that was it. That was pretty much wrapping. Anyways, isn't that crazy? So Fable Four is going to be powered by the engine that is going to deliver the new Forza games. That's awesome. I think it's awesome. I think it's a good way um, for the software development teams and the guys that are utilizing tools. In fact. Um, and I don't think it was specific to this, but during the Microsoft Bethesda Fest or whatever you want to talk about it, one of the common themes that was reiterated from panel to panel was the ability to use some of the studios at Microsoft and lean on each other and use each other's tools and uh, capabilities of tuning the software. And to me, this is a perfect example of Fable utilizing Turn 10's essentially engines to take the modeling and the tools from them and then develop what, again, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm thinking that it's going to be an awesome game as well. And one would hope that, uh, fable four is going to be fucking awesome courtesy of the Forza motorsports game engine. So, all right, let's, uh, let's keep going. A lot of, a lot of talk today in uh, the episode. So we covered some new movies coming out. We talked a little bit about uh, the Suicide Squad, what's coming there. We talked about that testimony between essentially Epic and Apple. What else do we got on the books here? Let's, uh, holy smokes, I've been over talking today. Let's uh, kind of wrap it up. I want to uh, talk real briefly about what I'm playing and what I'm watching. Um, On the video game front, I don't, I, I, again, I don't have a lot. I updated my Xbox 
and several games the other day. I did play Call of Duty for a very limited amount of time, and that's it. I didn't get the opportunity this last week to play video games. So, won't, won't. I got to figure out. I do have, uh, let me check something here. Nope, not that one. Um, I do have the uh, want to play. I just have not played. In the movie world, though, or movie slash show world, I am excited to say this. I uh, Mystic Quest is back, and we're getting an episode a week, which is awesome. Mighty Ducks is getting ready to wrap up. Both shows are uh, great for different reasons. I mentioned Mystic Quest several times over you guys. If you have Apple Plus, I'm telling you, just watch an episode of it. You'll absolutely love it. Um, or if you don't have Apple Plus, I think you can uh, do one of those trials for a week or two. There's a lot of other good shows on there that just so happens to be the one I'm watching right at this moment. Um, a show, I'm not going to go again into a ton of details. I mentioned it last week and mentioned it this week because I ended up watching it. That's what I was doing instead of playing video games. I was watching Jupiter's legacy at first glance i'm going to tell you this and and maybe i will do an ote on it or uh, i'd like to go a little bit further into the uh, show itself but today i'm not going to jupiter's legacy at first glance in my opinion um with watching and i explain i watched three quarters of an episode ended up i think passing out or, or just going to bed or what have you Rewatched half the the first episode because i re- recalled the first half and it is it's a good show i like the show i like the show i like uh, the direction it's going um i also like how it's a completely different story it, i feel like there is some fami- uh, familiar similarities in the way it's told and the way it's portrayed but i also feel as though it's very original and the way the story's being told is also original. So this is what I'd say today in this. If you guys have not caught Jupiter's Legacy, uh, take take your time. I would recommend at least watching like three episodes because it definitely gets better. Um, and the storyline, as you can see, is based on Jupiter's Legacy, the, the comic book in which I uh, just picked up some of those comics by Mike Millar, uh, who has incredible story writing capabilities and everything else. But anyways, it's really, it's really a cool story. Um, It's, it's different. It's kind of fresh. The old regime, the old guard is conflicting with the new guard. The rules have changed in the kind of superhero and saving people dynamic. And again, I, I was struggling with the first episode, even even into the second episode. By the third episode of the show, I was I was like, okay, okay, this isn't bad. This is cool. The story's the story's unfolding. It was a little slower than uh, than I thought, but it was okay though because I, you start understanding it quite, or at least for my sake, I started understanding it more. So again, there's eight episodes. Jupiter's Legacy. It is out now. And uh, episode one is By Dawn's Early Light. Episode two is uh, Paper and Stone. Episode three is Painting the Clouds with Sunshine. Episode four is All the Devils Are Here. Episode five is What's the Use? Six is Cover Her Face. Uh, Seven, Ominous Pro Uno. And then eight is How It All Ends. 
So that is, uh, that's, that's what I was watching this last week. And I think that wraps up today's weekend wire. Thank you guys so much for tuning in to the episode today. As I started this, uh, show off with, I'll end it once again. We appreciate you guys listening to the culture Jack podcast. Please take a moment. If you have not followed yet, hit follow. If you have been following for a while, make sure and drop a solid review for us on whatever podcasting platform you listen to. It means a lot to us. Um, we're, we're trying to keep the momentum going here with the five episodes a week. We're loving it. Um, I know Dustin and I talk regularly about the content and some ideas. And of course, we both get to uh, play a part in all of this news and media that's coming out. We, of course, appreciate you guys taking the time to listen, to comment, to share, and everything else. So that's it, guys. Thank you so much for tuning in to today's episode. I will catch up with you 